0: it's got the highest vibrational frequency of all essential oils um, it's like 400 i think it's like 432 hertz um, and that one there has a really like very very pronounced grounding effect um, i don't it's not something i use when i study per se but it's something that i'll use if i know i'm operating way too up here and if i need to sort of get back into my body then i'll Have a few sniffs of the Idaho Blue Spruce. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Happy
1: New Year. So great to be back. I am so super pumped and excited about 2022. So many cool things happening this year that I'm going to be sharing with you. But let's kick off this first episode with a very exciting guest, which is who is Lucas Now, Lucas is the founder of Ergogenic Health. He is a fast emerging name in the world of biohacking, nootropics, and optimizing human performance. And in this episode, Lucas discusses what got him here to where he is today his personal journey from working in his father's pharmacy to creating his own health and wellness for a brand. We also talk about his core values, what drives him, and we dive deep into nootropics. So you're going to learn a ton in this episode about how to really optimize the health of your brain and really have that elite level of performance. Now, some of these things you may have never heard of before. Don't worry, you don't need to take copious amounts of notes. All of the show notes and the transcript are over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. So head over there and you can basically um, go and grab those and understand everything we're talking about because it probably is quite a lot of new content, but it's very, very exciting. Lucas is very much at the cutting edge of biohacking, in particular, boosting your biology and your brain. So let me introduce you now to Australia's leading biohacker, Lucas Owen. So I'm really excited to be joined today by Lucas Owen, who is Australia's leading biohacker. I've been wanting to get him on the show for some time now. So excited to talk to you, Lucas, about exactly how we can really optimize our brain and body for the ultimate edge in human performance. Welcome to the show. It's amazing to have you here today.
0: Thanks for having me, Ange. I'm uh, stoked to be here.
1: Yeah. I think we're going to have a fun conversation. I have a whole list of things to chat to you about that I know listeners are going to absolutely love, but why don't we kick off? Like, give us your background. How did you get into biohacking?
0: Yeah. Well, actually my journey started out as a um, professional soccer player. I was always really fascinated with how we can um, integrate various lifestyle practices, supplementation, and other sort of like biohacks to improve my performance on the soccer field. Um, and just got really, you know, obsessed with the ability to sort of um, take control of our physiology. And um, around the same time when I was playing soccer, I sort of got involved in a uh, in a nootropic startup. So I got some experience um, into sort of formulating products and understanding various ingredients. And then basically it all just started out as like, just a pure passion and interest in, um, understanding the body. And then really it all started through my Instagram, which, um, you've probably, you know, seen, seen my page where I'm just seeing content. And yeah, that's where I'm at today.
1: I love your Instagram. I just think it's brilliant. I always, whenever I look at your Instagram page, I'm always learning things because you'll find kind of, different compounds. Sometimes I haven't actually come across them yet and how they work and you're always linking to studies. So yeah, um, anyone listening to this, you should definitely go and check out Er Ergogenic Health on Instagram because there's some really cool content there. Um, So in terms of, let's start with the brain, right? There's so many things that we can do. And if I look at, for example, my own performance, you know, there are times that I'm really trying to enhance my productivity. There are other times where particularly when I'm doing my creative work and like formulating my programs and thinking about how I really want to deliver value to my audience. I really want to enhance my creativity and more of a flow state. Um, And then there are other times, you know, like we all experience stress and anxiety and we want to sort of moderate that. So I wonder if we can kind of dive into these areas. If we're looking, first of all, at Concentration and peak performance. I know this is an area that very, you know, many, many people struggle with. Some people have things like ADHD. Um, they struggle to maintain that sort of laser concentration that we all want for any length of time. Um, and they may be trying different things like the Pomodoro effect and working in blocks, utilizing things like caffeine, but I've experimented a bit with nootropics myself. What would you say for someone who initially is just really looking to up their game and bring that level of concentration, what have you found to work best in that sense?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So what I like to look at is actually the neurotransmitters that actually govern, you know, the ability to focus and the ability to sort of lock onto a task and sort of not get distracted. So if we have a look at the actual neurotransmitters that seem to modulate that pathway, we're looking at um, the you know top two would be dopamine and the second one would be acetylcholine. So for me, I'd be looking at you know specific nootropics that can target and sort of upregulate the production of these two critical uh, neurotransmitters. So when we're looking at optimizing dopamine function, um, what I like to do is provide the brain with the precursors to actually make its own dopamine. So we're looking at the amino acid L phenylalanine, um, which is an essential amino acid, and then we'd sort of combine that with some um, B vitamins because a lot of the B vitamins um, can actually help with the synthesis by acting as a, a cofactor in dopamine production. And then I'd sort of lean towards um, I'd lean towards something known as. Bromantane, which is, it's not actually a natural compound. It's a, it's Russia's first synthetic adaptogen ever developed. Wow. Um, yeah. And this, I'd love, I'd love to yeah, dive deeper into that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty fascinating.
1: That's really interesting. So how do you, how do you spell that?
0: Um, it's, it's, it's spelled bro man. Um, and it's essentially what it was designed to do was actually help um, uh, soldiers and astronauts combat stress. Um, and the, 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 the main function of this particular, um, uh, synthetic adaptogen was to actually upregulate the enzyme that converts the tyrosine from our foods into dopamine. Um, and so the benefit of that is that it's non-addictive, not habit forming and, uh, um, and is more restorative over time. So we're getting a a, lo- a long-term beneficial effect on uh, dopamine production over time.
1: That's interesting. So when you say it's adaptogenic, do you mean that it will kind of, just like all adaptogens, it will sort of work in every person's body slightly differently depending on their needs. So it sort of adapts to how much of that conversion is necessary.
0: Pretty much, yeah. What we see in the literature is that um, bromantane has some pretty profound, profound effects against, um, various forms of stress. So sleep deprivation, it can combat that it, it can combat, um, like immunosuppression. Um, and it can also help with general, like overworked. (laughs) I mean, like who isn't, who isn't overworked these days?
1: So. Yeah, most people are, exactly. And it's interesting what you say there, because with dopamine, obviously, a lot of us are depleting it consistently or looking for that dopamine hit all the time, going on social media, things like that. But when I've also looked at you know, the comp gene and the role that that has, some people um, are kind of more of a warrior with an A and other people more of a worrier with an O. And that comes down in part to the way they process dopamine, right, and how long it st- sticks around for. So we all have our sort of perception of stress and also what we can kind of take on. So it's that delicate balance, isn't it? And I guess something that like that that's working in an adaptogenic format means that you're only going to trigger as much as you need without causing anxiety, would you say?
0: Exactly. And the benefit there, Angela, is the fact that it's nothing like typical um, stimulants like caffeine or nicotine, which over time deplete your dopamine They actually leave you in a sort of a dopamine depleted state. Whereas bromantane, as I said before, is upregulating the enzyme that converts tyrosine into L-DOPA and then eventually dopamine. So it's really smart in the way that it works. It's, um, it's essentially just going to build up your, your total threshold, um, for releasing dopamine.
1: Interesting. Interesting. And do you find that there's any kind of over time, um, you sort of you you don't need any more or less you don't develop a tolerance to it because i found that when i experiment with various nootropic blends i find there's just sort of some attenuation so initially you notice this kicking like wow i like i'm really getting an effect from this but then within sort of three weeks i feel there's some attenuation i don't know what you found in that respect
0: yeah i mean the natural state of the body is to seek out that homeostasis so it's always going to recalibrate and get back to baseline um With bromantane, it's a little bit different because in the research studies, even after... So what they did is they did like a three-month-long study um, and then they withdrew the medication um, and a lot of the benefits actually remained for up to like six months after treatment. So we're seeing, you know, long-term changes on a genetic level um, in the brain, which is, you know, really profound and also really appealing for, you know, a lot of people.
1: That's really interesting. And so is it something that you would advise taking for a period of time, like three months and then taking a break? Is it something you would cycle on and off or what would be the suggestion based on the research?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, what I personally have found to work both like myself and with clients is actually like some sort of protocol where we're doing like only one month on where we're doing five days a week. So Monday to Friday, and then two days off on the weekends, um, and that sort of that sort of dosing regime seems to work really well, um, and and part of its like when we're looking at part of its mechanism of action is that it also can help slow the breakdown of GABA in the brain. So it's actually giving you that you know the dopamine mm-hmm. plus it's slowing the breakdown of GABA. So you're getting that anxiolytic effect at the same time, and people note that as well.
1: So you feel calmer essentially it's that calm focus
0: yeah, that's exactly right i mean that's literally what everyone that's what everyone craves and it really does deliver in that in that regard
1: and what's the kind of dose that you would use does that vary between men and women um, according to size for example or sex um,
0: well what i found based on my own experimentation even in some of the rat studies is that i found that lower doses like in the human studies, they used 50 to hundred milligrams a day, but personally I like anything below 25 milligrams. So between like 10 to 25 milligrams is generally speaking, the sweet spot for most people.
1: Okay. Interesting. And this is something that we can get hold of easily. Is that something that's on your website or where, where can people try this?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's readily available as long as you're not competing in um, professional sports, such okay. as yeah, the Olympics or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And, you know, where they, they can find that on my website. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. We'll link to that. And, and um, do you suggest then combining that with some other compounds?
0: Yes. So um, what I do like to stack that with, if our goal is to improve focus and let's say memory, Um, something basic, which I'm sure you're familiar with is acetyl L-carnitine. Um, you know, some, somewhere between 250 to 500 milligrams of acetyl L-carnitine, which, you know, does a few things that we, that we want. It increases acetylcholine. So it acts as a donor to acetylcholine, which is, you know, that learning and memory sort of neurotransmitter. And then at the same time, it's actually helping with converting fats as a fuel source, helping to shuttle fatty fatty acids into the mitochondria to synthesize ATP. So you're getting that sort of double whammy there.
1: Yeah. So you're getting the energy as well. Um, yeah, amazing. And what about, uh, coupling it with caffeine or with that?
0: Uh, so that can work depends on a person's sort of, um, sensitivity and tolerance to stimulants, Bromantane is already going to make caffeine stronger. Um, but, you know, a low dose of caffeine, one cup of coffee a day, combined with those, like I don't see any issue really. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. And all taken in the morning, presumably. Yeah. And the, other, <laughs> yeah.
0: the other thing about bromantane is it's a super long half-life. So it actually, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a long time to reach its peak concentration in the body. It's like three to four hours after dosing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so you need to have it first thing in the
1: morning. Interesting. I suppose because of the way, yeah, it's working through that indirect mechanism, right? So you're getting the peak later. So actually, um, I mean, I find, for example, like I'm very much a morning person. So actually having something, I'm good to go when I wake up really well, even without caffeine. But actually, that would work super well if you want to kind of extend that period of productivity. Because I always think we have... You know, it's funny because when Tim Ferriss wrote the four-hour work week, the my biggest takeaway from this really is actually that we have about four good hours in any one day. I don't know what you think, but I that's how I feel. And, and you know, people will work in different blocks, but I think in terms of really, really quality output or quality digestion of literature or anything like that, we probably have four really good hours. So it sounds like this is something that could extend that right a little bit. Um, yep. and give you a couple of extra hours.
0: Definitely. I, I definitely agree with you there. Like there's a certain number of hours that we have like four to five hours, generally speaking. And then you might have a bit of a, you know, a bit of a lull period, a bit of a, maybe, maybe a nap in the afternoon and then do maybe two to three hours later. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the benefit of that sort of bromantane is that's going to extend. Cause I remember the first time I tried it, um, I was actually, you know, I I went to the library and I was studying for exams and I had a first thing in the morning. I went to the library and then I remember not really noticing much at all. And then as I was heading home from the library, it was about one o'clock or two o'clock lunchtime. um, I was like, I had this really strong desire to train, to do a workout. Um, And I'll never forget that workout. It It was literally the best workout I've ever done in my life. I was, really? so, yeah, I was so motivated I oh, just felt, okay, from
1: the motivation. Wow. Yeah. I felt
0: so like, yeah, really just in a really great mood, really great mood.
1: That's awesome. Do you know why that excites me? Right? Because when I'm saying I'm, and, and I bet a lot of people listening this will feel the same way. When I say my, the morning is my best time, I am always faced with that quandary of, if I get up and I work out, I'm gonna have an amazing workout. Um, but if I start work, I'm gonna have amazing amounts of productivity and just feel like I hit and tick loads of things off really, really quickly and I'm faster. And so there's always this friction in me of actually just wanting to go and exercise <laughs> because I love it and thinking, well, then I get the benefit of productivity and it doesn't matter which way around I do it, I always feel I'm missing out on the other one, but this sounds like it would allow me to kind of get a whole chunk of work done and then exercise kind of mid to late morning and just have the best workout potentially.
0: Yeah. 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 Potentially.
1: Yeah. That sounds very cool. Okay. And, um, anything else on sort of productivity and focus and memory before we leave that?
0: Yeah. I'd love to talk about a, um, an ingredient called uridine. Uh, uridine monophosphate, uh, that particular nootropic is really, really good at, um, defeating procrastination. It's almost like it, it's mm-hmm. almost like it creates a, a, um, a false sense of urgency just in the background, not, not an anxious energy, but just like if you've got a deadline or if you've got a project you need to just smash out, like uridine is my go to. It will always, just completely quell and eradicate any sort of negative thoughts or just when you sort of feel hesitant, it eliminates all hesitancy and just makes you feel sort of feel like you can back yourself, I guess.
1: So there's a confidence element to it.
0: Yeah. There's like an underlying impacts. Yeah. There's an underlying sense of, confidence, but it's, you know, where I think that comes from is just the the mental clarity. It just provides really great mental clarity. If you have any sort of brain fog, it just completely annihilates that um, within half an hour of dosing.
1: Oh, wow. That's quick. Mm. So all those tasks that people put off, is it, it was interesting. The reason I was saying, like, when you said, it makes you feel like you can handle it and do it is because a lot of times people will procrastinate because it's the the most important thing that they should be doing, right? To move their business forward or whatever it is, or the exercise session. But there's sort of an element sometimes of fear attached to that because it's almost like the things that move the needle the most and that we most need to do, we just somehow put off. Uh, But it sounds like this gives you almost mastery, right? To be able to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, another point there is uh, so like, you know, eliminating fear is a whole separate Discussion because there's a whole range of um, nootropics that are specifically designed, or from my research, you can incorporate them to sort of banish that fear-based response, and that is really cool. You can u- sort of use things that can. I did a few YouTube videos talking about like some fear extinction uh, compounds, um, sodium butyrate's one, black seed oils another one, and then a few. There's a couple of others which is really cool um like sort of banishing fear but the other side to that as well is um so when it comes to like tackling a task the other side to it that i look at is somebody if somebody's struggling to actually initiate or actually cuz that's the hardest part right usually it's just starting and then once you you go and start it things actually there's a bit of momentum you build things and you get going but like When it comes to actually starting a task, one thing I've been looking into recently is like just generally speaking, you feel like you're um, too comfortable. Like that's something that I've noticed. Like you just feel too comfortable to actually, (laughs) whereas like if you take initiative and actually start a task, you're actually becoming, you're uncomfortable. And that's like a difficult thing for people to handle. So I'm wondering it, you know, does that uridine buffer that uncomfortable feeling in a sense?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Cause you're right. People do find it. It is that, that discomfort. And I guess we've learned to be so comfortable in modern society that we almost don't want to step outside of our comfort zone. And it's interesting because, um, I just, when I look at my kids in terms of education, they are pushed outside of their comfort zone continuously, right? So they they have assessments at school. You'll go and watch them play in a match. There's pressure to perform, pressure to win, score the winning goal. They've got homework. They've got to kind of get the grades that they want. They are constantly being pushed outside of their comfort zone. And then, but that's because we as parents and the education system is constantly creating that environment, both physically and mentally. If they're at a good school, right, they're being pushed, and they've got parents who care and are going to push them themselves. But then, um, and, you know, they, they, they do crazy, uncomfortable things. You know, I thinking Saturday night, my, my 12-year-old's competing uh, for the county in a, in a swimming gala, right? That's pressure when you dive in that pool and you've got to get to the other side faster than anyone else. And I think then as adults, it's really difficult because we have to self-motivate. We have to create that pressure. Anyone that's in any kind of professional job, I remember when I was working as a lawyer, the hours were crazy long, but you almost had sometimes too much time. Sometimes there was pressure to get the transaction through and it's like, we've got to close it. It's got to happen. And then other times there isn't, there's this sort of, artificial, like time, time will basically expand to the task given, right? That's what we see. And so if there's, I'm all up for anything that kind of can shorten that time frame because I definitely respond to deadlines. So it sounds like this combination almost enhances your ability to actually get down to the work, but also make it important enough that it's got to happen now as well. It kind of creates that within the brain, that sense.
0: Exactly. And you know, what's interesting is I sort of wonder if it has, if it somehow, I mean when it comes to understanding the mechanism what it's actually doing it makes me wonder whether it shifts the um the priority ranking system in the brain where it sort of like helps you gauge give you greater lateral awareness of like right this is my day this is the top these are the top two tasks that need to be done and then it somehow like shifts your focus to them and and if you don't complete them then you sort of feel like you feel guilty or you feel sort of like pressure in a sense but Mm. you know it's a good point especially with the um as an adult like you know becoming an adult um mm, makes me wonder whether that pressure has dropped off you know there's a lot of pressure as a child to get uncomfortable but when you're an adult i wonder if any of that sort of sort of drops off
1: I just want to briefly interrupt today's show to let you know that James has very kindly given all listeners 10% off your first purchase of Eat Pluck. So if like me, you want to get your hands on some flavoursome organ seasoning and upgrade your meals and get all the vitamins and minerals and even sneak it into your kids' food like I have been, then all you need to do is go to bit.ly forward slash eat pluck and enter code Angela 10 at checkout so that's bit.ly forward slash eat pluck and enter code Angela 10 at checkout for 10% off your first purchase I feel like it does because I feel like we have to sort of create that pressure um, for ourselves to continue to evolve and I think that's when for me life is really exciting is if you are continuously evolving right and growing and um but um, what you were saying about fear, this is interesting because one thing I want to 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 see what your view are is what about people who really struggle with public speaking? Even people who actually have to do it as a lot in their job, is there anything that they can take that when they're they've really got to step up to the plate and give a give a presentation allows them to calm those nerves, to switch on and really get in the flow? Because for me, the best presentations I'll ever give, the best. Um, content I can give is when that energy is kind of flowing through me it's not about being yes you've got to do all the preparation work but you can't memorize things it's almost that ability to just free flow speak that people love and connect with are there things and compounds that people can take that can really enhance that their ability in that sense
0: for sure I mean the the ones the ones that I'll be looking at are things that can directly um, impact the things that inhibit our public speaking. so let's let's take a look at the things that are direct inhibitors of public speaking or um, anxiety. So um, first of all, if somebody is really nervous before an event, um, there's key physiological effects that are occurring in the body. Number one is we're seeing an increase in the sympathetic nervous system. Number two, we're seeing an increase in adrenaline and norepinephrine. And then number three is we're seeing an increase in uh, glutamate activity in the brain, which causes those scattered thoughts and overthinking. So now our job is to sort of reverse engineer that and select specific nootropics that target those specific pathways. So the very first one that comes to my mind that I've used you know, regularly for over three years now um, and that I've spoken about a lot is taurine. Now, you know, taurine's amazing because it ticks pretty much all those boxes. It's parasympathetic activating. It's GABA promoting. It inhibits glutamate and lowers adrenaline. So it's doing all of those things. So about 3,000 milligrams of uh, taurine does a really great job at just just calming things, you know, reducing that sort of stress-based response that we get. Um, And
1: helping sleep, right? I find taurine coupled with magnesium works super well for sleep and particularly for women who are experiencing hormonal issues and, you know, thermoregulatory issues like hot flashes and things, that combo seems to work really well as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, that that, that totally makes sense. Um, So looking at, you know, taurine works really well. um, And then for like the verbal fluency aspect or just sort of feeling like words roll off your tongue, uh, we'd be looking at the classic, it's like the old school classic nootropic it's called paracetam. Um, I know Dave Asprey's spoken about it quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but paracetam is, um, you know, it is the original, uh, nootropic and it was developed by, you know, a Romanian, um, pharmacist. And basically what that does is it helps to increase Uh, Not only does it increase nerve growth factor like similar to lion's mane, but it also increases the acetylcholine receptors. So you're more sensitive to um, acetylcholine. And when you're more sensitive to that, your general fluid intelligence is generally speaking uh, improved.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because lion's mane is of, of real interest for me just because of the research that you're talking about there relating to nerve growth factor and also um, just the, the studies that are being done in relation to preventing Alzheimer's. Because I, you know, when I've tested my genetics, I carry one copy of APOE4. So for me, it's super important. I want to kind of hang on to my smarts, right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that's interesting. Um, And what about just general, I mean, Taurine is great for this as well in terms of anxiety. Is there anything else for moderating anxiety? Because I know that people at the moment, there's so much anxiety in the world. And I think it's been, you know, quite created by what's going on in the media Um, but also there's been profound you know implications hasn't there of the pandemic you know the the media have been in a frenzy over people's physical health and well-being in response to that but really we have created an epidemic of mental health problems as far as i can see both in children and adults are there things that you feel work particularly well for anxiety in addition to the ones we've talked about
0: yeah i'd really love to talk about something that's doesn't get enough attention from the mental health perspective. It's more so the immune, you know, improving immune function. It's one that you may be familiar with. It's called black seed oil. Yes. Yeah. Well, black seed oil, um, you know, it's potent, potent, you know, anti-diabetic, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, amazing for arthritis, ticks all those amazing boxes, but then the one constituent found within, um, black seed oil called thymoquinone. Um, that one there seems to possess in animal studies that fear extinction uh, property, so it can potentially help to reduce that um, encoding of fear um, when you know mice are placed in a in a fearful environment, um, and then also it helps to modulate um, the GABA system. And there's some research that suggests that it may actually help to help people cope following benzodiazepine or um, Valium past benzodiazepine addiction by helping with those um, GABA receptors, which is really fascinating.
1: Well, that's interesting. And at what kind of dose is that?
0: Uh, well, with, with black seed oil, you'd be looking at about 500 milligrams of a 10% thymoquinone extract. Um, but even something simple is to... Just actually purchase the the actual seeds, um, the black seeds themselves, and all you have to do is just basically put two teaspoons in a, um, you know, like a mortar mortar and pestle, and just um, crush them up, and then pretty much just like swallow them back, or you can even just chew them, um, and they can still provide a pretty pretty mild sort of psychoactive effect.
1: Interesting. Or we'll put them even like in a smoothie or something. In the morning, yeah. right? Um, got
0: strong flavour, super strong flavor.
1: Okay, so uh, maybe <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> impacting, yeah, just like doesn't taste the like brita anymore. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, maybe not the thing. I guess it's a case of just knock it back and grimace. Um cool, okay. And so I do want to dive, I want to make sure we have time to talk about exercise performance, but just to kind of round up on this, what about the flow state, right? So many people want to access that, you know, even just in terms of meditation, right? Just enhancing and up-regulating, that's something I've been playing with. Um, I've actually been doing some RTT recently, some rapid transformational therapy, just to kind of, not so much for the benefits of, of resolving any kind of trauma, but initially it was that, but actually then it moved on to just accessing my subconscious mind under, deep hypnosis just gives me so many insights and, and a a greater sense of connection. It's just been extraordinary. Um, are there things that we can do to help us access a flow state more on demand?
0: Well, the first one that I, it's not exactly a nootropic, but for me, um, what I've noticed is actually it's quite simple, but actually just, you know, very repetitive, certain like music, there's certain types of music and songs that I actually will literally listen to on repeat. If I'm in a very productive state, what I do is I, I'll always go back to that song and then every time I listen to that song, I'm like it sort of triggers that same sort of mm. brain state. It's like a reminder. When you listen to this, like you're really productive and then you sort of go back to it. Um, but then like I guess from a comp, uh, from a supplementation perspective, the obvious one here would be um, L-theanine because it does help to mimic you know, it does mimic a lot of the benefits of meditation because it increases uh, alpha waves in the brain. So, you know, L-theanine in pretty generous doses between let's say 200 milligrams to 400 milligrams seems to work really well for a lot of people that mm, struggle to get into that f- sort of flow state. It works really well.
1: And um what's the kind of lead up time when you're utilizing L-theanine? Is that sort of within sort of 30 minutes or so? That, 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 gets activated.
0: Yeah. l is pretty cool. Cause it has a pretty rapid, uh, onset. Like it's quite quick, the effects. Um, so yeah, you're looking at about 20 to 30 minutes before, um, your task. And then I think it peaks at around one hour to two hours after dosing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And it works actually really well. I find for people who get a little bit jittery with caffeine, but want to have the performance enhancing effects of caffeine, you can just put that together with altheanine. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. That's interesting. Um, and music wise, is that music that you have like has worked for you? So now you go back to it because it's creating, you know, it's that kind of memory of it and taking you back a little bit like smells can do, or, um, is it a certain type of music that you found just works super well for your clients as well? Uh,
0: it's funny cause I mean, I'm familiar with the stuff you're referring to, like specific things that are like designed to Mm. That like that beats which i've used but for me it's actually it's actually psy it's like a slow ambiance. it's like ambient with a bit of like a consistent beat mm. um, so you know it's there's various songs that are like extremely repetitive but they just uh, it's there's like a, a slight change in the songs every like Eight chords or eight beats. It it's just enough to keep me in like in that flow state. And then exactly what you said, like it's that the contextual memory, which is like smelling, um, you know, with the rosemary. It's a bar hack, but then yeah, I think the same is applying with the music. Is that I'm just getting hooked back into that state every time I listen to it.
1: Yeah, there was an app I used to use. I forget it, actually. I haven't used it for some time. And then you would basically put in how you felt, what kind of state you wanted to access. And then you would put the session on. I'd get great productivity, and then it would ask you to rate it at the end. And if you find it...
0: it, Brain.fm.
1: Brain.fm is one of the ones I've tried. This was another one. I can't remember the name of it. It might come to me later. Um, but what you say there, I do want to dive into because smells are very interesting, How using essential oils in different scents. Do you have things going in your office when you're working?
0: I've actually got, I mean, there's one particular essential oil that I really love, um, and it's called Idaho Blue Spruce. Oh, um, okay. It's, it's got the highest vibrational frequency of all essential oils. Um, it's like 400 and I think it's like 432 Hertz. Um, and that one there has a really like very, very pronounced grounding effect. Um, I don't, it's not something I use when I study per se, but it's something that I'll use if I know I'm operating way too up here. And if I need to sort of get back into my body, then I'll have a few sniffs of the Idaho blue spruce, Um, it smells like, it, but it smells like cedar wood. Have you ever smelled cedar wood? Mm,
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah. Really really nice. nice. Really nice. Oh, I'm going to give that a go. Um, and what about, how do you organize, um, your, your day in terms of productivity? Have you got any tips there? How do you, cause you obviously have the ability to read digest and then disseminate a huge volume of information. How have you trained that level of focus and productivity?
0: Um, well, for me, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I think my I get a lot of it from my dad. My dad's a pharmacist and I'm sort of, maybe I got some of that from him. Um, but for me, my day really, I do have a set routine in the morning. Um, I do always get 10,000 steps in on my walking treadmill desk um, first thing in the morning before I eat. So whatever... However long that takes, it might take up, up until like 10 a.m. Um, I'll, I'll get a lot of work done first thing in the morning, starting at like 6.37, um, you know, on the treadmill desk, get my steps in. I'm still fasting, obviously. I might have a bit of a decaf, decaffeinated coffee, something bitter to help with the liver function. Um, might have a few nootropics here and there. But it's funny, over, over time, I've needed less and less, And I feel like I've just built up my baseline so high that I actually am way less sort of dependent on them, which I think is a really good sign because you don't really want to be dependent on anything really. Um, And so I'm Mm, really really happy with that.
1: So you're working while... So I've tried this, I have a treadmill desk, and it's very difficult to write. Are you mostly reading while you're doing Um, this?
0: Mostly responding to emails or creating PowerPoints for... Instagram posts, like not too much typing, but it's pretty slow. I'm only at like 4.5 kilometers an hour.
1: Okay. So you're just gently kind of going. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Um, and what about, do you have any primers that you do before you start that session in the morning? Like, do you meditate? Do you do any breath work? What's what's your very early morning routine like? Uh,
0: well, I tried meditating first thing in the morning, but I find that really takes the spring out of my step too much. Mm-hmm. Like I, I generally speaking, I'm someone who has really low cortisol. So like anything based on my Dutch test, it was it's non-existent, my cortisol, which is wow. crazy. Um, but generally speaking, like first thing in the morning, I'm pretty like, it doesn't take me much to just get on with it. Like I'll just wake up have a decaf, get a bit of sunlight. Obviously i try and get sunlight first thing in the morning, sun exposure. Um, and then I'm pretty good to go. Like I'm pretty good to go.
1: Same here. And that was, so you had low cortisol in terms of what, like free cortisol salivary or did you have a lot of it was bound up and metabolized cortisol you're just not producing as much?
0: My metabolized cortisol was just completely rock bottom. <laughs> it it was so low. It was so, I I don't have Addison's disease, but it was just, um, it completely makes sense because I'm always craving salt. I struggle to hold water in the body. So I get dehydrated very easily and I carry no abdominal, like literally no abdominal fat. Like I literally tick all the boxes of like the typical low cortisol state, low blood pressure, you know, and that's why I sort of respond really well to um, licorice, cordyceps, all mm-hmm. the things that help with that, uh, cortisol.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So let's move on to exercise then. So like, cause cordyceps is, is good for that as well. Right. And for enhancing sessions and endurance, how does exercise look for you now? Um, obviously you were a professional soccer player, so very, very peak level of fitness. Um, what do you, what does it look like for you now in terms of your, do you have a kind of longevity plan that you follow that you hit for exercise?
0: Yeah, so um, since we've been in lockdown, it's actually changed quite a lot. I've been um, introducing a lot more um, sprint training. I've been doing sprint training about two to three times a week. Um, and for me, that that sort of looks like um, 20, 80-meter dashes, which is, you know, at about 90% of my max effort. And the reason I'm doing that is because I I have seen the research the research is too strong to ignore, ignore that sprint training is without a doubt the best form of exercise for um, hormonal output, for in, in particular for men, to increase testosterone, growth hormone, all of the pro-anabolic hormones. Um, and that's always coupled with, you know, I, I do believe in variety and a balance. So I, I then combine that with like very low steady state 20,000 steps a day, usually on my treadmill desk. Um, and then I do weight training about, you know, th- three to four times a week as well. So, so on nice.
1: that sprint training, that's also amazing for enhancing mitochondrial health, isn't it? Do you do it on that sort of rotation where you kind of go all out with a, an eight times recovery? So like the research I've seen is like 20, 30 seconds all out and then four minutes, then you go again. Um, is that the kind of protocol you're referring to?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I like, I really like pushing, the pushing the body to its max capacity, um, allowing for rest. Whereas if we're looking at, let's say steady state cardio five to six, seven kilometer, just general same pace run. I just don't get the same mental benefits and general like mood elevation as I do with the really high intensity. It's like, The more dysphoric, which is the opposite of euphoric, the more dysphoric your exercise is, the more euphoric you feel post-exercise, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, yes, I agree with that. And actually, I find that that classic 5K run just seems to cause significant inflammation without the neurological benefits, without even the metabolic benefits. Often what I see is when people are doing that on a regular basis, actually they start to store more abdominal fat um, sprint training is amazing for metabolism, and as you say for for male hormones, which I want to dive into with you in a moment. But also, just abdominal tone, right? It really people do lots of ab exercises. There's almost nothing better than sprinting for toning up your abs. I think. <laughs> well, that's I what mean, I found.
0: You're spot on. I mean, if you have a look at if you generally have a look at the sprinters in the Olympics and. Um, Look at their bodies. Like have a look at their, even the women as well. They're they're super lean. um, And that sprint training does indirectly, you know, strengthen the core. um, And it's also strengthening the oblique. So it's, yeah, from an aesthetics point of view, it's probably, you know, one of the best uh, exercises.
1: Definitely. Definitely. How does that like, um, how does that change from when you were a soccer player? Because then you obviously have to have that sprint capability Um, but you also have got to have tremendous overall endurance. How did they sort of build both that power and endurance when you were playing soccer?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, What I used to – well, what we used to do with the training was there were less um, rest periods and longer bouts, so longer efforts. So it would be, you know, 30-second efforts. It's almost like fartlek training. I don't know if you've heard of (laughs) fartlek.
1: Yeah. yeah, where it's a little bit more playful, so you're kind of seeing how hard you can go for how long or specific intervals.
0: Uh, what I'm doing as in like what I'm doing now, you mean?
1: Yeah, no, when you were talking about more the fartlek, would it be like you go for as hard and as long as you can?
0: Uh, it's not as as hard as you can because it has to be that little bit less. It's like 80% of your max Okay, speed. whereas now you're going at
1: like 90%.
0: Now I'm really pushing myself to, to get there. But unfortunately in the last few days of, um, my shin splints, are, I've got shin splints at the moment oh. and they're so bad. Painful. Um, yeah. And it's cause I've been, um, I've been silly. I've been running down a hill that's like on the, on the road as well. Oh, and okay.
1: Like, yeah. That's hard. Yeah. That's high impact.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Running downhill is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay and then in terms of weight training do you do like do you incorporate super slow strength training seems so many biohackers love doing super slow training or what how do you work in terms of reps and sets and things
0: uh it's funny you mentioned that because literally this morning i I went to the outdoor there's like an outdoor workout playground um and i was literally doing this slowest um eccentric push-ups i was literally like 10 seconds Uh, down, which is all emphasizing the time under tension. Mm. Um, And I really do believe in that for stimulating muscle growth, not so much strength, more so for like, you know, building muscle because you're just, you're causing so much metabolic damage. You're causing so much lactate buildup that it's just, the body has no choice but to respond by building muscle.
1: Mm. It's so hard as well. And I think it as well, because of that time under tension and the speed it's really helping with connective tissue as well. Right. Um, so it's so good in terms of longevity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it like from that perspective, but it it totally makes sense. And then the other side to it is the isometric activities, which is literally static, you know, static hold where the tension is the highest. Um, let's say, just halfway through the chin up you Mm. just hold and you know that 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 by itself is a really powerful way to induce um you know muscle growth as well
1: yeah really powerful and for getting stronger as well i find that eccentric movement really important for people who can't do pull-ups yes you can do them assisted but even just jumping up on a bar getting up and then slowly lowering just a few sets of just that lowering really really enhances um pretty quickly um, so I'm kind of quite pleased with myself because I hadn't uh, I hadn't done as much work on my back for, for a while and I'd lost my ability. It's always hard as a girl. <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but it's hard to do a pull up. And now I'm at the stage where I can do a few free pull ups myself again. Uh, so and that was just somehow always feels good. Right. Um, um, uh, so testosterone. I know that a lot of male listeners are interested in this. How can we? optimize testosterone production
0: yes now obviously this is in my opinion uh, this is the real um, epidemic right now is you know men having low testosterone we're seeing young young men between the ages of let's say 18 to 25 you know relying on viagra and you know things yes Um,
1: 18 to 25 year olds oh my goodness (laughs)
0: it's a it's a it's a big problem um no pun intended but basically you know the issue there is that like young men are really struggling with um low testosterone if we have a look at the the major reasons for this first of all let's take a look at the environment so just like with in women those xenoestrogens are really toxic and damaging to reproductive function and fertility The same also applies with men. These xenoestrogens can bind to and block the testosterone or androgen receptors. Um, And then we're also sort of seeing poor sleep. Obviously poor sleep is going to impact testosterone production combined with obesity. I mean, obesity is a huge issue. And then also we're looking at sort of nutrient deficiencies, basic nutrient deficiencies like zinc, magnesium, um, other B vitamin deficiencies, you know, these things play a crucial role in testosterone production.
1: Okay. So, if we unpack that a little bit, these xenoestrogens, they're coming from our environment, right? People using things like plastic bottles. Um, now, this is difficult because, certainly, like as an athlete, I imagine you would have had to drink a lot from plastic bottles, right? You watch tennis players on tour, they're handed it. And I guess I always have in my mind, we know that it is ideally you wouldn't use them and that it is wrong certainly to refill them. They are for one time use only, they should never be exposed to heat. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is even if they're keeping them in the refrigerator, actually the bottle itself may have been, you know, like a lot of people like Fiji water, but that's coming from miles away if you're in the UK. Chances are that has been somewhere exposed to heat on a runway or like being loaded onto a ship. And so by the time it gets to you, it may have had this exposure, which makes it more prone to, to leakage. Um, but that aside, I suppose, is that one of the major areas? Is it from other things like plastic in fish? Like what do you think is really causing that impact at such a young age, putting aside the vitamin and mineral deficiencies and obesity component for a moment?
0: I would definitely say that the plastic bottles that young teenage boys are drinking from is a huge culprit there combined with like plastic containers that food's stored in Mm. um, these things are probably, you know, the heavy hitters in terms of causing that um, toxic load and increasing the burden on the body. Um, But that's when, like, that's sort of when I, when I was researching all of this, I was like, well, there's got to be a way to help the body excrete. Like if we're going to be, you know, if If men are struggling with plastic buildup, what can we do then to strip it out? obviously, number one priority is to avoid using the plastic bottles and opt for glass in general. I prefer to use glass um and then also you know another thing that I've used in the past personally is um calcium mm. Um, you know that that's been phenomenal for um bringing down the xenoestrogen burden on the body
1: yeah very much so. i use that in um with women and just enhancing female hormonal health um how long have you found that it's taken for that to to rectify obviously you've got to remove them as well at the same time
0: yeah that's sort of detox protocol you'd be looking at at least six to eight weeks really for some decent detoxification to occur and then also like stacking that with you know sauna usage. I'm pretty lucky, but you might have one as well. I've got a, a full spectrum sauna.
1: Just yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I think twenty percent of that the the sweat is toxins. So yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: yeah, mm, calcium dihydroxy, and then um, I really like uh, zeolite as well. I don't know if you've used um, zeolite.
1: I haven't used. I've heard about. Haven't used it yet.
0: Uh, zeolites, you know, not for the, not so much for the plastics, but you know, more so for the heavy metals mm. to help excrete them through the urine. So it's like not too invasive. You're just getting, you know, the ur- urine excretion of um, heavy metals, which, which has worked really well, particularly, particularly in the context of autism.
1: Okay. Interesting. Because I think with plastics as well, it's only through through those indirect mechanisms that you can see they might be at play because it's difficult, isn't it? With metals and things, you can actually test and see that there is a buildup, whereas plastics you can't really tell. And I think that's what people don't realize is that there's not a really good way um, of assessing that necessarily.
0: I was about to mention that before is that it's like, it's very difficult to actually assess plastic, plastic load on the body all we can sort of go by is like mostly symptoms and then also you can sort of see it indirectly with the Dutch test, but it's not it's not perfect.
1: Mm, yeah, and I think people forget, like sometimes I'll speak to people and they've been heating, like they've got home from work and they've got using some kind of easy prepared food and heating that in the microwave in plastic. and it's like, oh, we're actually heat, physically heating the plastic now. It's definitely going into into the food. They couldn't, you know, that's so much worse than drinking even from a plastic bottle. Um, I think people, if they can understand that, but as you say, so many things come in plastic, right? It's very hard. Um, And then in terms of um, the, the other factors, obviously, obesity is a huge problem. I don't know how big that is in Australia, but certainly in the UK now, it's a huge problem. I think children are suffering from diabetes. I know children in America are having strokes, which just absolutely is terrifying even to think about. Um, but so, so getting the weight off is a big thing. And then the micronutrient deficiencies that you found, B vitamins, zinc, presumably as well. Um,
0: yeah, B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, um, even copper, um, you know, selenium is another one, you know, these heavy metals and glyphosate, they deplete the body of these nutrients. So, um, this is why, you know, ideally we want to get most of these from our, from our diet, but it really is difficult. Like it, it, and that's why supplementation is absolutely necessary, you know, nowadays compared to maybe, you know, 50 to a hundred years ago, maybe not, but it's a different time. You know, we're in a different environment now.
1: Mm. I think the other thing as well that I found is it's quite interesting with when we look at like sexual dysfunction um, for men is nitric oxide production and actually using antibacterial mouthwash has been shown to disrupt the bacteria in the mouth that help with nitric oxide production. And that's something that people just they have no idea. Right. They're just using it without knowing.
0: That's a really good point. Um, And I I might actually add one thing to that is uh, men that have a chronic chronically stuffy nose or a blocked nose that there's research that shows that men that have um, nasal polyps or general um, sinusitis increase risk of erectile dysfunction because nitric oxide majority of the nitric oxide is actually made in mm. the nasal cavity um, which is one of the reasons why i'm a big believer in uh, mouth taping before bed as well
1: yeah Yeah. And enhancing that nasal breathing. So, so important. Um, And mouth taping sometimes during the day, if you can't get used to it straight off at night, right? Just while you're working, just get used to the idea and and how to breathe nasally is an education for some people, I think.
0: Well, I was considering mouth taping before this podcast actually, but (laughs)
1: what just to improve performance (laughs) um it's been amazing talking to you so much fun i could probably talk to you all day is there anything else you want to add before we link to where people can find you and all your amazing content
0: um nothing really just yeah i'm very passionate about what i do and i love to share research and um you can see that on my instagram you can see that on my my youtube my main focus right now is like transferring a lot of the content I'm doing on Instagram all over to YouTube. So um, if your audience wants to check it out, just search Boost Your Biology on YouTube. And I've got a, a, a channel full of um, goodies over there.
1: Yeah, you've got some amazing videos and also some really, um, really great courses on your website as well. I've seen on things like nootropics um, and enhancing sleep that people can can go and check out as well. So your website is Ergogenic Health, is it not?
0: Yeah. Ergogenic.health. Yeah. Uh, um, and they can see my courses there. Got a testosterone optimization course that's doing really well. I've got a you know, nootropics course as well. And then a sleep optimization course as well.
1: Amazing. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lucas, for coming on. It's been really, really fun.
0: Uh, thanks for having me. It was uh, a great chat.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, the show notes will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. And you can download the transcript there together with the show notes and all of the other resources that I have on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe.